Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode of Keep Them Coming feels extra special to me because I am joined by Christine D'Angelo. She's a fellow certified sex coach. She's been in practice for a couple years now in Portland, Oregon, and I wanted to have her on because I wanted another sex coach's perspective about, you know, the work that we're out there doing and kind of what's going on with current events, but also she's the coach that I'm partnering with for a couple's intimacy retreat in Jamaica, May of 2020. So look in the show notes for a link for that website so you can find out more information about our retreat and you can certainly find more information about her and her social media links in the show notes as well. She really is doing amazing work out there helping make it a more sex positive society one with less stigma more normalization more pleasure and I love that she said she's out there trying to be the change that she wanted to see in the world that's what I'm doing that's what I hope a lot of you are out there doing so hey enjoy the show my show today is different because this is the first time that I'm getting the chance to interview somebody that's not sitting directly across from me. I reached out to a fellow sex coach, sex coach, Christine D'Angelo. So she's joining me today. Hello. All the way from Portland, Oregon. Yes. Hello. Oh God. I'm so, so, so glad to have you on for real. So yeah, you got sex coach, Kristen and sex coach, Christine today. (laughs) Both with K's. Right. Yes. Yes. And I'm sure you get called Kristen from time to time. And I definitely get called Christine from time to time. So it's all good. It's all good. Just the general coaxing to to fix that. And that's not going to get confusing at all for our participants because Christine and I are putting together a couple's intimacy retreat in Jamaica. Oh my gosh. So excited. Didn't we uh, say though, that we were going to one of us was going to be our first names and the other one was just going to be our initials to make it easier. Maybe I can go by KT. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can go I by K. My- yeah. We, yeah we'll, K. We'll figure out a way. So we'll definitely talk about the couples intimacy retreat later on this show. But first I want to pose a question to you, Christine, that I get asked all the time, which is sure. why did you become a sex coach? I became a sex coach because I, I wanted to, you know how people say, uh, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be that change in the world where I'm normalizing sex and sexuality and, and having conversations around sex and relationships and, um, how to have healthy, loving relationships, how to make multiple relationships work. And so just by having, uh, the knowledge to, to kind of 
back up that desire that I have to be the change in the world is really what um, drove me to studying human sexuality. And um, I originally did think about going the sex therapy direction because I've always been mm -hmm. fascinated with human sexuality. Um, even as a young girl, um, it was very, me very me much. Too. Yeah. Um, my parents didn't, uh, foster an environment that allowed me to explore my sexuality or my body language about sexuality in the body. So I think, you know, just like any child, when they're told that they can't have something, you want it even more. And mm -hmm. that's, that's really like why I was so drawn to this topic because there was obviously something taboo about it according to my parents. And I'm really drawn to anything that has an error of uh, being taboo. So that really drew me in that direction of, okay, I know I want to help people. And I know I want it to be somewhere in the sexuality uh, realm. So um, coaching just seemed like a really good fit. I love to just roll my sleeves up and get to work. Uh, I'm a doer and I'm a problem solver, like naturally. So coaching just really made sense to me. I love it. Anyone that knows me personally and is listening to this show can understand why Christine and I are kindred spirits because <laughs> I had that very similar upbringing and uh, kind of my parents had the same attitudes about human sexuality. And mm -hmm. I also have always been drawn to things that are a little edgy or a little more taboo. So, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. it's the spice so of life. <laughs> it is. It is. So we actually got introduced by Dr. Patty Britton, who runs Sex Coach U, where we both did our certifications. And I, I reached out to her because I, I wanted to put together this retreat. And I asked her, you know, who went through the program? Who's out there doing the thing? Who's kicking ass? And who would actually match my personality? And she said, you need to reach out to Christine D'Angelo. Oh, that's so, so awesome. I'm so, so glad that she made this intro for it. So, Me too. So much in common you know, beyond our names. I know. And that, you know what, I was thinking about this this morning and kind of preparing for our talk today. And I thought, you know, what is, what is the most beneficial piece to going and, and be, and joining Sex Coach You? And for me, it really was like meeting other people in the in the profession and having a network now of people who you know their background you know what education they went through to get to where they are and it's just a respectable level and so yeah mm -hmm. I, I feel the same way about meeting you yeah well thank you well do tell me a little bit more about your background because like what were you doing before you embarked on this journey Let's see. You mean like what was my profession? Uh -huh, yeah. Well, I kind of dabbled like, in a little bit of everything. I, I, uh, I'm an artistic person, uh, so I was kind of working around things that that allowed me to be creative. Uh, so I worked, um, I worked in uh, the Academy of Art in San Francisco, um, when I first moved there from Portland and I was in admissions. So I got to talk to creatives all day and help them figure out what they wanted to study and like, what was, what was ah. their life goal? What was their occupational goals? And I, and I helped them figure out what would be the best program fit for them. And I really loved that. Um, 
So that was coaching. Absolutely. You were coaching. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And then I went yeah. from there. I was in uh, real estate and I, I did like lease admin for a while until I graduated from sex coach you. So um, kind of not so much fun, but it, it paid the bills and it allowed me to study <laughs> and also work yeah. full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and some sales experience too, that always helps us as uh, entrepreneurs. Totally. That's one thing about about us is that we're not just sex coaches. We're also small business owners. So yes. we've got to learn how to close the sale and, <laughs> you know, customer service aspect, all that stuff. So yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not just about the big work of changing people's lives. We've got to run a business too. So mm -hmm. good. And one of my favorite things about you is your dog's name. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I can just imagine you out in the yard yelling nipples, nipples, nipples come here. I think the funnest part for me, though, <laughs> she's got the cutest dog. <laughs> the funnest part is taking her out and about. And she's just an adorable dog. So people, you know, want to come up and say hi to her. But it's the it's the families, you know, with like children. Uh -huh. And then the mom's like, oh, that's a so cute. What's her name? And I'm like, nipples. And I I get one of two reactions. One is very much like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. You know, Johnny, this dog's name is Nipples. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you're a good parent, you know, good job. Uh -huh, and then um, uh -huh. there's the other parent who hears what they want to hear and they say, oh, Nipples, what a cute name. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm like, no, it's Nipples. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, those are probably okay. the, you know, and uh, they're probably wishing that I wouldn't say that around their kids, but. Um, I do have a lot of people say, why did you name her nipples? And it's a really good intro into introducing what I do for a living. And I, I say, bet, yeah. you know what, I'm a sex coach. We're all about body positivity in my house. And uh, this is one way that we can bring awareness to, um, you know, the stigmatization of body parts. And I want to break that down. I love it. See, that's why I love this about you. It's not just because the dog's name's Nipples and I want to see you out in the yard yelling for it. It's because <laughs> of everything about it. Those conversations that you get to have. Yeah. And hey, you know, when you're catching those parents in the park who change it to Nibbles and don't want you to say that in front of their kids, I'm sure those are the parents who uh, whose children might be coming to see us one day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Because they, they probably think that their their vulvas called a cookie or a hoo-ha, mm -hmm. the she-she, and their yeah. penis is a pee-pee. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, I, I mean, you probably see it like I do. We have grown adults that can't say the word penis mm -hmm. and vulva mm -hmm. and breast mm -hmm. or nipple. Yeah. All day, every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, one question I get asked about by parents is how old should you, how old should their kids be for you to start using the proper terms for their body parts? Mm -hmm. And I'm shocked because I had to look at them and say, uh, from the start, mm -hmm. from the get go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's soon, it's like anything else that you want to normalize for your child. Uh, family mm -hmm. traditions, the language that you use in the house, uh, the way you prepare certain meals, like anything that you want to normalize for your child, you just start doing it from the very, very start. And there, that mm -hmm. way there's no um, miscommunication. There's no uh, interpretation that happens that your, that your child is like, oh, 
So I've never been taught about my body. That is a message saying something must be wrong with it. Like, or we're not supposed mm -hmm. to talk about it. So I definitely get that asked all the time as well. Yeah. Uh, I think what parents, so let me backtrack a little bit. When parents come to me for their own relationship and sexual concerns, and I know that they have children, I will weave that into our conversation at some point, because I think it's really important mm -hmm. for them to understand that the more that they get to know their own values, beliefs, and attitudes about sex, the better expression that they're going to have to their children in, in regards to their bodies and sexuality. And so I think when parents ask that question, what they kind of want us to say is, oh, wait till they're older because then they'll really mm -hmm. understand what you're trying to tell them. Mm -hmm. But I think, or they won't embarrass me. Yeah. That's another thing I've gotten too. Yeah. They're worried about the judgment from other parents. They're worried about what their kid will mm. say in the playground. And then a teacher has an issue because they aren't sex positive. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of reasons, but yeah. I think in a way though, they're wanting us to say, wait, <laughs> so that they don't actually yeah. have to deal with it right now and uh you know that yeah because it's a tough conversation totally. and they, of course i would i mean i guess i get wanting to delay the but it's just delaying the inevitable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i mean we don't have a problem calling um a pinky mm -hmm. a pinky or a toe mm -hmm. a toe or a kneecap mm -hmm. a kneecap or an elbow an elbow so why do we have a problem calling a vulva what it is I think it's because yeah. that body part or those body parts are associated with pleasure. And we don't talk yeah. about pleasure, especially to children. And I think that that is that's something that needs to change um, and also normalize, start to normalize the conversation around. Does that feel good? Yeah, I bet it does, because you have 8000 nerve endings right there. Right. This is what happens when you stimulate mm -hmm. nerve endings. And uh, normalizing for them that they get to embrace their own pleasure when they want to, because it's their body. Do you do workshops with parents or do you just find that it kind of becomes, like you say, part of the conversation you're having with your adult client? What's, what's the question? <clears throat> do you do workshops? Um, for, for parents or, you know, how to talk to their kids, or is this just kind of something that you do like in one-on-one -on -one practice when talking I don't, to your client? I don't do the workshop, but that's a good idea. Uh, I, I will just talk to the parents in, in session. Um, and, and sometimes it will also come up to where like, you know, we want, because of working with you, we've, we've really realized how much we don't talk to our kids and we really want to start doing that. So, and then they'll add on a couple sessions to just focus on that. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Very good. I think that's essential. We've got to, you know, if we want to affect generational mm -hmm. change, like that's just, I think that's just how it's got to go. Absolutely. We've got to start with getting parents that have small children right now to start changing their ways. We can't, can't keep going on like previous generations right. have. 
me wonders though if if sexuality was talked about more previously and then there was something that happened to like my parents generation or even the one before that that just some things kind of got lost in the 20th century mm-hmm. i feel like yeah i totally agree well i think too it's uh, when you're a parent you really base your conversations around what was taught to you and so if you know, three generations before you, there was no conversation about it, or you, there was a very strong, uh, undercurrent of religious beliefs in your family. Uh, then of course you're going to kind of continue that tradition of not talking about it. And, uh, I think that's where we need to take a step back and be like, wait a minute, I was never taught this, but I know it's important. How do I bridge that gap now? How do I make it more comfortable for myself to have that conversation with my kids. And the other, the other thing that I'm, I'm just kind of putting together is it's not only hard for, you know, an individual to do it, but we're looking at two individuals who were raised two very different ways in relation to sex and, and having, you know, sexual talks. So it's not just one person who's having to kind of change their views on it. It's two adults who have to come together and and make an agreement that's like, oh, we are now making a decision, moving forward. What can we do to make this a comfortable, a more approachable situation for both of us? Yes, that is such a valid point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. My (laughs) pleasure. I I have a brief story. I can tell this now. I So a, a previous guest told the story, but then texted me later and was like, okay, I talked to my husband and he was like, can you cut this out? So, but I feel like I can, I can tell this now because I've told, she has told this like to other people in person. And again, I'm just going to anonymize it. And I've done enough episodes and interviews now that, you know, nobody would really know who this is, but, uh, <clears throat> In talking to her child about body parts and things like that and consent, they had an incident happen recently where her little girl, you know, saw her father naked, saw his penis and was like looking at it. And the person asked, well, what are you doing? She's like, I want to touch that. And she goes, well, then you need to ask daddy if you can touch his penis. And she's like, daddy, can I touch your penis? And he's like, no, you cannot touch my penis. Just very calmly doing it. And she's like, okay. And then went about, you know, her business and left the room. And then he looked at her and was like, are you happy with yourself? (laughs) And she's like, well, here's the thing. What did we just teach her about body parts and consent? She didn't just come Mm. up and touch it. She asked permission. You said no. So now she's going to learn to, if someone asks if they can touch her, she can say no. There you go. That's great. But, but you know, he felt really uncomfortable in that yeah. moment about like, oh my God, my child is asking me if they can touch my penis, well, I think- <laughs> which I get. Yes, that's uncomfortable, but the lesson was learned. And I think that the embarrassment or awkward feelings for that partner could have been avoided if they'd had a conversation previously. Like what if, what if, what if one right. of our children, you know, wants to do that? How are we going to approach it? And then both parents are on board. Um, but, at the, you know, it, we're not perfect. And at the same time, sometimes spontaneous <laughs> thoughts and <laughs> approaches mm-hmm. come to us. Yeah. I'm sure they had no idea their three-year-old was going to ask to touch daddy's penis. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. It's <laughs> curious. But I, they are. They're so curious. That's the thing. And I, I think it's oftentimes in our youth that we're 
shut down about our curiosity that we start developing those Mm -hmm. feelings of guilt and shame and it's dirty and it's disgusting. Yeah. And those messages don't just shut off when you're suddenly in a committed, loving relationship, which is what we're all often conditioned we're supposed to Mm -hmm. wait for. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you and I both see how many issues wonderful, well-functioning adults have with their sexuality simply because of some of the messages that they Yeah. And you know, I see, I I specialize in coaching women and couples. And so I do see a lot of couples come through my office and uh, a lot of them have a really strong, loving foundation. And the one piece that they struggle with is communicating about their sex life, communicating about what Mm -hmm. they want and need and fantasize about. And I think that's a testament to really the lack of um, uh, enthusiasm or motivation we have as a society to teach people how to talk about those things. It's just like any other subject, but there's just such an air of... um, embarrassment and shame and guilt attached to the subject that it's just, it's not, it's not service servicing anybody, you know? It's really not. It's really not. It's doing. Oh, I think a lot of damage to Mm -hmm. our society. We've, you and I are out there on the front lines, fixing, fixing the, you know, the, not so much the trauma, you know, people kind of need to deal with trauma before they get to us, but fixing the, the broken mindsets or just the, again, giving people permission Mm -hmm. for their pleasure. Mm -hmm. When you, man, that's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Ah, So since your focus is on mostly Mm -hmm. women, um, can you share some of your, I don't know, your, your favorite stories that you've got with a client or some of your most impactful um, things, things that have stuck with you with a a client, of course, anonymously, obviously, but you know. I always love people's so, stories. Uh, you know, I had a client uh, early on who had absolutely no awareness around her own body. And she was very disconnected to her whole pelvic area. And this is something I see a lot, actually. Um, but this particular client uh-huh. was just very shut off from her whole pelvic area. Um she overanalyzed everything that had to do with sex or sexuality. So she was actually creating her own mental blocks around pleasure and accessing Mm, that mm -hmm. her own erotic map. Right. So it was like, we need to, we need to open you up. We need to connect you with your vulva and vagina, uh, actually, you know, looking at it, touching it, uh, experiencing, not necessarily, pleasure-based touch, but just explorative touch uh-huh. to start. Um, knowing what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Cause the more, oh, and one of her main complaints was every time a partner asks me what I want or how they can pleasure me, I don't have an answer. And I, I clam up, I shut down and I freeze. Um, because she, she was feeling like mm. in that moment, you know, Uh, in that room, all the lights went off and just a spotlight was on her now. And uh, her body temperature Mm -hmm. is increasing. Her heart rate is increasing. And she's like, I feel like throwing up. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so that's really part of like just helping someone build 
sexual confidence. And in order to do that, you have to explore your own pleasure. You have to explore what feels good, what doesn't feel good, because then you can communicate that to your partner. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people um, kind of wish for this um, telepathic sense that a partner has. Like, I wish you just knew what I was thinking. I wish you just knew my body better so that you could explore for me. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's not, not your partner's mm-hmm. job. Um, your partner's job is to facilitate pleasure. Sure. Uh, but it's your job as an individual to take ownership of your own pleasure and be able to say, this is how I like it. I like to use a toy sometimes. I don't like to use a toy sometimes. I'll let you know when that time is, right? Um, or even just being able to say, here's the type of touch that I respond really well to. Let me show you what I'm talking about. And then actually grab your partner's hand, put it on your body and show them what you like. Or, hey, I learned this about myself. Let me show you. How about you watch me do it? And then you can try, you know, it's like, taking yes, show, and like show and tell the best show and tell but possible. I think for a lot of women they have uh, a, a mental buildup of a certain almost like fantasy situation where it's it has to be romantic every time it has to be this it has to be that and it can be whatever you want you could even say hey honey I want to just kind of have a an explorative 30 minutes tonight I can show you a couple things that I've been practicing or finding out about myself because I just want you to learn that and and not have it be in one of those super romantic moments. Does that make sense? Um, taking it out of that, yes. uh, you can it can be just an explorative, sexplorative <laughs> uh, scenario. And so this particular client, I mean, it was night and day towards the end. I mean, she was taking burlesque dance classes. Um, (gasps) She had gone lingerie shopping for herself, not for a partner. She just wanted to feel it for herself. Um, Mm -hmm. And she knew now how to actually pleasure herself and experience orgasms in different intensities. And so for her being able to have that transformation at the end of us working together, I mean, we both had goosebumps. We both teared up. I mean, it was, it was an emotional moment because she was now leaving my care essentially to go out there and, and explore this new sexual side of herself. And, uh, I just got goosebumps right now thinking about this. Um, I didn't know. Oh, I love that You're changing this person's life forever. And that's a big task. And I'm so honored every day that my clients trust me with this job. Um, I take it so seriously. Um, So I'd say that's, that's a pretty good example of kind of my ideal client. Oh, I love it. I love it. I my best success story what kind of was was similar she was not experiencing orgasms that she enjoyed and she was feeling disconnected and uh got her and her partner through a whole process it, you know they looked at me and create like i was crazy when i said don't have sex just fool around mm-hmm. a couple of times mm-hmm. you know that's the gist right. of what i said <laughs> um but i got to have coffee with her a couple of months ago 
And oh my gosh, she had a notebook with her because she had so many good things she wanted to tell me that has changed since I stopped seeing them as a couple because they got to a really Mm. good place. And it's the best feeling too. It's the best like firing ever (laughs) or breakup, you know, when you break up with your coach because you hit the point where you've you've done the work, you're on the journey, you're in a good place. Like, and that's our job. We are not here to be people's coaches Mm -mm. forever. Certainly, if they came back, you know, in a couple of years or a couple of months, whatnot, you know, or sporadically throughout our career, that'd be great. But we really aren't here to see people for years at a time. This is this coaching yes. is short term. We're here to set you back out into the wild as a whole new yes, person. It's so fun. It is so fun. I really love it when clients come in with an open heart and an open mind. Because that's the client who is really going to challenge themselves. And I really think learn the most about themselves because they're up for anything. They're like, you know what? Yeah. Hit me with it. I'm going to try it. And I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Let's have some fun with this. I, I honestly, I use that as sort of a weed out tool for potential clients. If from the very first consultation, they're throwing up objections and this won't work and that won't work because, and here's why my partner won't be on board. I usually don't think that they're actually ready for the process. If they are not coming to us with total enthusiasm, I mean, yeah, there may be some things they're apprehensive about. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But if they're not coming to us with that open heart and that open mind, they're probably not ready for us. Totally agree. There are certain things, though, that I think fear uh, gets in the way of having a completely open mind. And uh, I like to challenge Mm -hmm. that fear. Uh, You know, where did Mm -hmm. that where did that fear come from? Is it even true? Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's let's break it Mm -hmm. down. And most of the time, it is a fear that has no foundation. It's just a fear that they have yeah. fed themselves over the years and it's just become true. And uh, I can also kind of sense that in a consult call too, whether it's uh, fear or if, it, if it's just objective, ob- objecting to change, right? Yeah. I think those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. There, there's, I think that... A well-rounded coach can tell the difference between someone who's going through that fear, which I think my hairdresser taught me years ago that fear to him stands for the, was it false emotions appearing <laughs> yeah. real? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Cause really it's all their emotions that are, they're creating mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. sense of fear and that, yeah, if you can identify like where, what is the fear? Where is it coming from? And is it something I can support you with? And yeah, you can totally, um, mm-hmm. work through that, but if it's just that apprehension and like, this isn't really going to work or, um, I'm just, you know, I'm set in my ways, but I don't like, you know, the direction of my life, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. change anything. You know, mm-hmm. there's a difference there. Totally so. agree. But when you do get those open-minded clients, they are the best. And I would say that most people, once they're coming to us, they're, they're usually yeah. ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So some, you know, for us, the the world is very different in in this decade. Of course, we're about to start a new one, but this decade's been very, very different than than the last few. I mean, there's a lot of things that people are talking about, even in the last couple of years, things like pansexuality, polyamory, 
a lot of trans issues, non-binary. There's just things that are entering our, our common culture and our vernacular that we are kind of on the forefront of helping people mm -hmm. understand. So I'm, I'm just curious because I get asked about this. Do you find that you have people who are also trying to, while they're learning about themselves, do you find that they're also opening up their minds and wanting to learn more about just the, the broader spectrum of sexuality? Um, kind of yes and no, because I live in Portland, Oregon. We live in a very liberal, expansive, um, inclusive bubble for Oregon. As soon as you leave Portland, it's it's a little different, uh -huh. you know, once you leave the city limits. <laughs> but in Portland, I really uh -huh. do feel that there's a lot of people trying to make change in this area. So it is it is talked about often. It's represented in a lot of our businesses and in schools. And it's, I mean, it's something that's pretty on the tip, it's on the tip of a lot of our tongues. So um, I don't necessarily see clients who are, are really wanting to explore, explore that further. I feel like we all get a pretty good exposure to it as of, as of right now. Um, I also had, you know, my I have my own struggles with adjusting language and concepts and, um, you know, gender language and stuff like that. So it's also a, it's a struggle for myself as well. And, and I know that is also a struggle for other sexologists as well. Um, I think everyone just needs to understand that we're, we're all in this learning curve together and to go a little bit easy on yeah. each other because you know, especially if you are older versus, you know, the younger millennial uh, age group, um, we're having to adjust a little bit more than younger people. So I think that there is this sense of like, let's just be a little bit patient with each other. We're going to get there. Um, but overall, I think we're headed in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And that is... Um, it, inclusivity yeah can you help me bring a little more inclusivity to kansas city please because whatever you're doing in portland you've got the magic sauce going so i know you know i i, I of course i'm here in the midwest and it's a little different i mean kansas city is of course the like liberal jewel of mm -hmm. the state mm -hmm. besides st louis and columbia missouri but like our populace here is pretty blue mm -hmm. um but that doesn't mean that they're you know, introducing themselves and then saying their pronouns or talking about their relationship structure openly if they're in poly or open relationships. Mm -hmm. There's some. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting there. Um, but obviously, you know, public school system, private schools, as far as their sex education is, you know, leaves leaves things know, to be desired, obviously. And, and I mean, Sex education, you know, most areas of the country, if it is there, it's just about reproduction and STI prevention, but there's nothing about consent, desire, pleasure, all that stuff. So I, I feel really drawn to find a way to help with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't, I sound like you really want to work with kids. I don't have kids for a reason, <laughs> but 
how do I get to, how do I get to these parents or how do I get it in the schools? You know, the schools is a bigger thing. It's almost like you got to start on the human level. You can't, you can't break into the institutional yeah, level at this point. Yeah. So, one, yeah. you know, one thing, one help thing me, that really help helped me, me uh, gain more perspective and exposure was volunteering at a youth organization called SMIRC here in Portland. I don't remember exactly what SMIRC stands for, um, but it's an LGBTQ plus uh, basically a safe place for individuals who don't have anywhere to go after school or just they might even be homeless. They're in between places to live. And it's, it's, it was just a wonderful exposure to me, uh, to actually talk with these young people and learn from them and actually be like, how can I be a better ally for you? How can I, how can I service you? Like I'm here to volunteer for you. So what, what do you need from me? How can I help? And it was great. Yeah. I mean, if you have something like that there, or maybe even start one. There is a really great organization here in town called Synergy Services that helps um, with homelessness, and they are probably one of the largest organizations that help uh, LGBTQIA mm -hmm. youth. So, yeah, I probably need to just reach out to some friends that I know there and, and find out how I can. And another more. suggestion that I have is if you know anyone who owns a business, if you know anyone who owns a restaurant, uh, or if even if it's a place that you frequent often ask them for unisex bathrooms. That's a great start. Ah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Gender Absolutely. neutral bathrooms mm -hmm. make a difference. There are a lot of places here in town that it's, have that. It's becoming sure. more popular, um, which yeah, I like. We can do it um, but really one of the most heartbreaking things to know about that community, especially transgendered individuals, is they don't feel safe using a bathroom. So oftentimes they go all day yeah. holding it, holding, having to use a bathroom mm -hmm. because out of fear that something might happen to them. And that is heartbreaking. And also physically, it it's not good for their bodies. No, no it's not. It's absolutely not. <laughs> so and I know as a, as a woman in her late thirties, who has talked very openly about <laughs> urinary incontinence issues from yeah. an injury and having done, you know, a procedure to try and fix that, like there's just no physical yeah. way I could do that. Yeah. Imagine if you felt so. fear using a restroom. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. yeah and that's one of the places that they're, um, most likely to be targeted Absolutely. for violence as well. That's yeah. the sad part. I mean, I've even had just people who are just non-binary presenting. They just, mm -hmm. they're androgynous go into a, but they're a woman. They go into a female restroom. And I had a friend that got attacked by a woman. She was like, yo, I'm a female. Like I'm a lesbian, but I, I know I, I dress kind of butch, but like, yeah, she got assaulted mm -hmm. in the bathroom and it was her own gendered bathroom so that's the thing too is the policing mm -hmm. of people's bodies yeah i was and just choices. gonna use that term absolutely the fact that that woman felt that it was her right mm -hmm. to look at somebody who she does not look mm -hmm. like a man and and it so if she was assuming that my friend was a transgender person 
who she then considered probably to not be a real woman mm-hmm. if she was a trans woman. Like, just the fact that she felt that it was her duty to try and prevent someone from using a bathroom. That just infuriated me. Infuriated me. So thank you for that suggestion. Yeah. I will. I do. I do know some some restaurant owners, so I will. Yay. I will work on that. And then that's the that's the thing too. It's I, I've said it on a couple of recent episodes too. Is that it is not just up to the people who are the mm-hmm. minority to speak up for themselves. It has to be people who who have a little bit of power and who have a mm-hmm. little bit of privilege to also speak up and and do it in a way that. Is actually reflective of what that community wants and needs, not what we think mm-hmm. they want and need. We've got to listen to mm-hmm. what they have to say and ask those, like you say, ask those questions. How can I serve you? How can I be a better mm-hmm. ally for you? You want to be a good ally? All you have to do is ask. Yep, them. Absolutely. Tell you. you have to be ready, though, for the answer. Right? You have yeah, to be ready for do. the answer. They may say they don't want your help. They don't, they don't need you to be an ally. They, you know, or they're just... Not there or to teach what you. they have to say or what they're suggesting sounds hard or difficult for you. And you have to move past that and be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. That's privilege talking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cause the second you're like, well, I don't really, okay. So I want to help. I don't right. want to go that far. Yep. That's your, yep. Oh, it's too mm-hmm. difficult for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. No, I'm, mm. So let's talk a little bit about our couple's <gasps> intimacy retreat okay. that we're hosting together. I am so excited for this. So I am too. All right. So if you've not been paying attention to my social media uh, or you're not on my newsletter or Christine's newsletter, because I'm sure she's going to put this out there on the socials for her, her people too. We are hosting a intimacy retreat just for couples next year. Um. It's going to be in Jamaica. It's going to be at an all-inclusive resort, um, Couples Tower Isle. Um, We do have a website. We'll have it in the show notes here. Um, But yeah, Christine and I are going to take some couples with us in May of 2020 Mm. and help them reconnect. I'm so excited. You know, you say you do work mostly with women, but I know you work with couples Mm -hmm. too, as do I. So, um. I just want to tell our listeners a little bit about what kind of drew us to put this together and, you know, what our, what our main mission is with this, you know, it's five days, basically you can, you can stay for seven if you want to have a couple extra days of R and R, but the actual workshop portion is going to be about five days. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about some of the things that we'll yes. be doing during that week? Um, just about our five yes. days. So I think really what we're trying to foster for these couples is creating a distraction-free environment, free of stress, that's going to add education, enlightenment, empowerment, curiosity, creativity, uh, but also just adding an element of that relaxation because you are going to be at a gorgeous, a gorgeous um, Jamaica retreat. And um, it, we want to inspire communication, healthy, open communication around sex intimacy. Um, how do you do that? For a lot of people, you know, I think that there is uh, some misunderstandings or maybe like miscommunication around what each partner wants out of intimacy, physical and emotional. 
Um, how do you even build more emotional intimacy? That's mm -hmm. one thing we're going to teach you. Uh, how do you, uh, how do you practice patience and when is patience needed when you're talking about sex and sexuality? Um, and we're going to, we're going to cover touch different dimensions of touch and why that's important. Um, because touch is nonverbal mm -hmm. communication, right? Um, overall, yes. Building sexual confidence. I think a little bit like what I was saying earlier, the more that you can explore and um, cultivate a creative environment, the more that you're going to become sexually confident as a couple. And I think that's really important mm -hmm. because the, the title of our retreat is Inviting Sex, Intimacy, and Romance. And that is exactly what we want to do for you. We want to teach you how to invite more of that into your relationship because it's so juicy and it's so wonderful and you really just need a little bit of guidance mm -hmm. to figure out how to get on the same page with inviting sex intimacy and romance into your relationship yeah. it's difficult for one partner to want to do that and have the drive and the initiative to to try and figure it out but it's also it starts to feel laborsome for that one person who's trying to make change in the relationship so I think couples retreats are really good for uh, bringing alignment into how you're going to, as a couple, move forward together, inviting sex, intimacy, and romance into your relationship. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, anything else yeah. you want to add to that? You summed that up so well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, it's five days, like you say, of being being together and, and doing some classes, but then you're going to have time to put things into mm. practice at night, you know, and we're going to give people time to actually enjoy the relaxation of being at a beautiful, Can fabulous resort. Can we just talk resort. about the resort for a minute? So it's not. Okay. So yes, please. first of all, once you look at the pictures of couples tower, Isle Jamaica, it is paradise. It is so beautiful they have a yes. nude private island that they boat you to yeah oh my gosh uh -huh. i can i can just feel yes. the sun on my skin already <laughs> um six restaurants five bars four swimming pools four jacuzzis they have a sports and fitness center and even a spa so if you're looking for you know r and r on top of all of this you can go get a facial you can get a couple mis couples massage whatever you want it really is going to be this wonderful getaway for you and your partner to relax while also bringing focus into the sex part of your relationship. And we aren't going to be, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people feel like once you say you're a sex coach, they're like, oh, you wear this like referee shirt and a whistle and you're like in the bedroom with the couple and you're like, blow a whistle if you do something wrong. No, right? that is not how it works. Uh, we're going no. to break down the days into workshop style lectures. We're going to have some group discussions um, and we're going to give you the education that you need to start incorporating some of these wonderful, juicy, yummy things into your relationship and bedroom. And so when you have your free time, 
I mean, honestly, you can do whatever you want, but we're hoping that you're going to start incorporating and practicing the things that we're teaching you during the um, kind of more uh, workshop sessions. Yes. Yes. I am very excited about the no clothing, the nude beach. Yeah. I've never done that before. You've never been nude in public? I'm, I'm, um, I've been nude oh, okay. in public, yeah. but not a we nude beach. We have a couple nude beaches here in Portland. Not, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've Oh, dang. I just need to come see you. Yeah. Again, we live in this bubble. Um, uh, So I think another thing that is important to say is that we are, we are both talk only sex coaches and that at no point in time will touching take place during our coaching sessions with these couples. Anything that happens of a more uh, intimate personal nature will happen in the privacy of your own home or, or privacy of your own rooms or is that does the retreat have open sex stuff i can't remember as far as like you know when the participants are in the rooms uh, together around the pool or or, or what do you mean what do you mean open sex stuff oh around the pool um uh i I don't yeah i don't think it's one of those places i think that it's it's not like hedonism it's not like um yeah, it's it is. I mean, it is a couples only place. You cannot you cannot be there unless you are in a coupleship um, for the entire resort. Um, but it's not it's not like hedonism where there's like a, a grotto and there's sex play going on in front of right. other people. That's important. Point um, out. But mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's there's there's resorts for that certainly, and we may do a retreat there one day. That's you know a little, a little amped up. You know, we're going to turn <laughs> up to eleven on that one, but. Uh, this one is not one of those, this one. And, and this is also, I've been asked, it's not for <laughs> swingers. Every, everybody's got their thing and swingers are lovely and wonderful. And they're just not, that's not what this is about. This is not about going and connecting with another couple. I mean, Hey, if you hit, if you're both swingers and you hit it off and that's what you want to do yeah, when you get yeah, back yeah. home, fine, 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 fine. But again, that's not the intent of this retreat. We are not here <laughs> to facilitate <laughs> that. We are genuinely trying to facilitate couples getting reconnected, rejuvenating their sex lives and helping them feel more fulfilled and together upon as a couple. arrival in your rooms. We're also going to be uh, supplying uh, gift baskets for each couple to mm-hmm. have a few things to play with while they're in the room. So you don't have to worry about bringing it with you to the resort. It's going to be there for you, which is awesome. Right. Yes, yes, we have secured some very uh, juicy little um, <laughs> things to put into the basket. So I'm pretty yes. excited about that. And there's probably, I'm sure we're going to find more, but there, we've got some lube. Uh, we're going to get some little toys. We've got all sorts of pleasure products that are going pleasure to be in those gift it. baskets for people when they get there. And again, at the end of the retreat, you can also have a couple of extra days to just stick around the two of you, enjoy your time together again, start utilizing the the techniques and the tips uh, and Mm -hmm. things that you learn. And I think one of one of the most appealing things to a couple's retreat is, you know, stress is the biggest libido killer. So if, if we're going on vacation, yes. oftentimes couples will say, you know, they'll, they'll remember back to really fond memory of great sex. And usually vacation is some sort of piece of that, of that memory. Um, or even, or even, um, uh-huh. future focus like fantasy, right? So I think that this is the perfect setting uh-huh. for, 
you know, rest and relaxation and being in a stress-free environment to really just focus on each other and not have any kiddos around, you know, unplugging the cell phones and, and, the, and the laptops and leaving work behind and just saying, hey, we're going to have a good time together. We're going to learn together and we are going to grow together. And to me, that's priceless. Yes, it is. And in yes. a beautiful locale, tropical, beautiful oh. location. I love it. I haven't been to Jamaica in a while, so I'm looking forward to going back. But most of all, what I'm looking forward to is taking, when we're looking to take 10 to 15 couples, um, 15 would be a little bit too much for us beyond that. So um, 10 would kind of be our sweet spot somewhere in there. But to to leave that retreat and know that we help change some people's lives, like mm-hmm. that's what we're both here for. Mm-hmm. That's why we're both doing this. And it doesn't hurt that it's in Jamaica. Oh. <laughs> it does not at all. And isn't that the great part about being entrepreneurs and doing what we do is that we can, if we want to go on vacation somewhere, we can just start oh planning gosh. retreats yeah. there. So good. Yeah. I love it. I love the freedom and opportunity that this career mm-hmm. has brought me totally as well. Agree. Plus, um, I don't know about you. I'm sure you're the same. But when we enter a room, we're generally the most interesting people <laughs> and the ones that everyone or wants to talk to. The, or the people who, or, you know, people I've had them immediately go, oh, oh, and then they just turn their back to me and then walk away because they don't know how to talk about oh. sex, even in just a conversational, you know. Uh, and so later I'll be like, Hey, here's my car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you might need to come see me. Yes. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, people are like, Oh my gosh, that's a fascinating job. You know, how did you get into it? Why do you do it? Yeah. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that is fun. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of has a little shock factor, right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Usually when I'm in a circle of people and we're all, whether it's a networking event or whatever, and we're introducing ourselves, I usually like to go last because nobody likes following <laughs> me. Nobody. No. They're, they're like, well, okay. I don't know right. what to say after that. So, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I do find that the people who are like, oh, um, you know, me and me and my wife, oh, yeah. we're just fine. We're doing good. Those are the ones who come up to you later and like, so, um, yeah. do you have a website? <laughs> Can I have your card? <laughs> Yeah, I see you. I see you. Anyway. Well, Christine, this has been a lovely conversation today. I am, again, so excited. Thank you for being my first out-of-town guest. You broke up again. And just thank you for coming on and talking about... Oh, um, thank you so much for being my very first out-of-town guest and for coming on and just, you know, talking about all the things that we do. And yeah. You're, you are Thank awesome you. and amazing. I'm so glad that you're out there in the world doing this work. I think that we need, we probably need, you know, another half million of us before we can actually fix right. the world's <laughs> problems when it comes to sexuality. But, you know, one, one person, one person at a time, at a time yeah. one sex coach at a time. That's all so. we can do. Um, I yeah. appreciate so. you and the work that you do. And um, this was so much fun. I had a great conversation with you. And I am so looking forward to co-hosting this retreat with you. I think it's going to be amazing. And all of these couples so are going Absolutely. to be so lucky to have us in front of them, showing them the light. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yes. 
So if you would like more information about our retreat, you can go to either of our websites. We do have a redirect, um, but you can also go to, we're working with a travel agent on this. So that website is travelunrivaled.com. And then how do people, if they wanted to get a hold of you, because again, you know, you're going to be sharing this too, and this is going to be on the ether forever. So how can people find you? So you find can find you? me by uh, visiting my website. And my website is doyoursexlifeafavor.com. And uh, you can just click book now and schedule a complimentary 20-minute consult with me. And we'll, we can go from there. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, they do find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is sexcoachchristine. And, uh, or on my Facebook page, Christine D'Angelo, Certified Sex Coach. Lovely. Well, thank you again so much for being here. And I wish you all the success in the world. And of course, I'll be talking to you soon as we keep putting together yes. our uh, details for our Great. Retreat. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called The Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time. <laughs>